Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today. Um, I want to thank those online for watching. We uh, so appreciate it. Let me open in prayer, um, and then we can get into our studies here. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another wonderful Shabbat that we can gather here and study about you, be encouraged by your spirit and by each other, Father. We thank you for the redemption we see in your, your son, Yahshua. Be with us today, Father, so we can grow closer to you and to one another. We thank you again for your love and mercy that you have shown to each and every one of us. Amen. So again, thanks for all you online out there. We so appreciate it. You are part of our family. And those as well, uh, if you're new online, you can always go to livingmessiah.com and check out uh, much more about us. And it would be, and please, if your heart leads you, please make a donation there as well to, um, to support uh, this ongoing study here and the other things that we do here at Living Messiah. So all that being said, Paul has the mic. Um, our, our, this is our regular spiel that I usually put out here. Comments and questions, they are welcome. We just ask that to be brief and on point of what we're talking about, and let's not get ahead of the text so we can all learn at the same pace where we're at. Um, so let's all try to do the best at that, and that includes me as well, okay? So, so a quick review from last week. We were talking about um, uh, Messiah. He healed a gentleman who was sick for 38 years. Um, and then later on here, we had some comments from the, the, the Jews at the time. It goes and says this, because of this, the, the Jews, or Yudim, persecuted Yeshua and were seeking to kill him because he was doing these things, or doing these healings, on the Shabbat. But Yeshua answered them, said, My father works until now, and, uh, uh, and I work. Because of this, then the, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Shabbat, but he also called Elohim his own father, making himself equal with Elohim. So real quick, what we went over last week was um, I kind of pointed out so much that maybe they knew that he wasn't necessarily breaking the Shabbat. So when they made that comment, um, it was more about these things, you know, uh, in the sense of uh, these things were not under, he was not getting the approval of their authority and going out and doing, doing uh, healings himself. And there could be other, other things as well. 
But I think that's one of the big things that I think we need to look at. Yeah, Yeshua would not put himself under their authority. And we see that will pop up uh, in a lot of different places. I believe we'll see it pop up in John later on uh, and in the other Gospels as well. So maybe that was the thrust of really what was going on. Now, the, uh, the part that it says that he made himself equal with Elohim, I pointed out to you, uh, a, a common understanding in Judaism is that it, this would go all the way back to Genesis, uh, Genesis 1, where the creator in seven days, he created everything, and he rested on the seventh day. But then after that, in some sense, the rabbis would think, and I would agree with them on this, that our father hasn't ceased <laughs> his work since then. So Messiah is just trying to make a point here, so that's maybe where they're like, oh, you're trying to make yourself with Elohim. Well, the point that Messiah was trying to make was, is it right to do good? Is it right to do uh, healings? Is it right to give life on the Shabbat? And obviously the question is, yes. You know, And the rabbis, I believe, understood that concept as well. So, um, so it is ultimately... It is good to do good things on the Shabbat. I use the paramedic that's out there, or even the police officer. Uh, you know, they're out there upholding life and doing that. They're doing yes, it's a Shabbat, but they're doing a higher call that's there as well too. Yes, Joe. I think the Pharisees were misguiding the the uh, Sabbath laws because they were adding stuff on there which God has not uh, put in place. So they were nitpicking and uh, trying to uh, put false accusation. And surely it means they were supposed to be the leaders of Jewish, or the leaders of the people, the Pharisees, that they were trying, like they were overriding what God has already said. They were adding to their beliefs their way they were looking at it instead of what the scripture looks at. Yes, no, I believe some of that uh, could apply to this uh, situation as well. Thank you, Joe. So that was last week. So let's continue on here. Um, let's look at his response, and we're going to look at Messiah's continual response to this. So in the meantime, here's some questions to ask yourself to keep in the back of your head. I'm trying to uh, obviously have us go in a particular direction here. But um, so as we read here, did they understand what he was saying here? Okay, especially about the father and son issue. And we, that was something else that we talked about last week, about the father and son issue, because that pops up here. And we looked at the father and son idea in the scriptures, and that the father and son relationship would be a foreshadowing foreshadowing of Elohim to Israel. So what I mean by that is the, 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 um, ultimately the king, uh, 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 the king Elohim would choose. Let me go a little bit further with this. With the father and son relationship. Remember that what was spoken uh, um, at Pharaoh, very to Pharaoh at the time of the Exodus. It says, Israel's my firstborn. That would insinuate a, a firstborn child, right? And 
most of the scripture talks about, it's the son. So what we have here is the nation Israel is being called a son. They had the same mission that Yeshua has, and ultimately the same mission that each and every one of us have, okay? And that is to obey and do these commandments like a firstborn, like a son of the Most High, you know, because we are all sons and daughters of the Most High. And I'm not saying that Messiah was pointing out that there is something maybe unique in his relationship, okay, but not to the extent, I think, too far from pointing out, especially if he's asked us to follow him, he's asking us to be in that relationship as a son or a daughter to the Most High. And why? So ultimately, um, we are to be the words of Elohim, you know, to be that light to the nations. The same mission Israel, the son had, was what Yeshua was doing, and ultimately it is what we are to be doing as well too. So ultimately we see that like Yeshua, have your flesh walk out these things, live them, right? This relationship, also we saw the father and son in the kingship in Israel, okay? I'll read First Chronicles here, 22.10. He does build a house for my name. This is uh, Yahuwah speaking to David about David's son, which would be Solomon. Okay, he does build a house for my name, and he is to be my son. You see, there Elohim is calling someone specifically his son, a king. So you see the idea of kingship associated with a father and son. And I can only conclude back Messiah, what we just read was Messiah was inferring that as well. That would be well known to them at the time, that, that verbiage. And ultimately, he is the king, right? So then it goes on. I will be. Um, uh, I will be a house for he. Excuse me. He does build a house for my name, and he is to be my son, and I am to be his father, and I shall establish his throne of his reign forever and ever. So now you have this other layer here that we see Messiah ultimately, I think, in some ways, do his deeds and what he's saying. He's proclaiming who he is. He is the king of Israel. And remember back, I think it was, was it? no, it was the beginning of John. Nathaniel, remember that one Nathaniel was the first one to say that. You know, you are the king of Israel. Why did he say that? I see these pictures and the walk that Messiah is doing is all pointing back to that concept. So let's go to Messiah's response in what he's going to say. And a quick reminder, there's no New Testament at the time, right? So his response, we cannot grab from the New Testament. His response has to be based on everything that's been written down before, okay? So hopefully you'll, you, should have, uh, you can have fun with this as I have, or I can do a decent job of uh, showing you this. So this goes on. Therefore, Yeshua responded and said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son is able to do none at all by himself, but only that which he sees the Father's doing. Because whatever he does, the Son does like, uh, likewise does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he, he himself does. In greater works than these, he is going to show him in order that you may marvel or that you marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and makes alive, even so the Son makes alive who he wishes. For the Father judges no one, but has given all the, all the judgment to the Son, that all should value the Son, even as they value the Father. He who does not value the Son does not value the Father who sent him. Now, there is packed with a whole bunch of stuff there. And I have a particular way I want to dissect that for us, okay? So, here it goes on. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me possesses everlasting life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Remember, this is a huge response for something simple going on, and he's really laying it on deep here. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear my voice, and the Son of Elohim, and those having heard shall live. For as the Father possesses life in himself, so he gives also to the Son to possess life in himself. And he has given him authority also to do judgment because he is the son of Adam, the son of humanity. Do not marvel at this because the hour is coming in which all those in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have practiced evil matters to the resurrection of judgment. So it's interesting, just a couple things here real quick. Life in himself stands out. Uh, yes, Joe. Yeah, reading from the King James in verse 24, it's a true-prong uh, thing. He that heareth my words, speaking of Christ, uh, and believeth on him, and then the one who sent him, so it's one thing to believe in Jesus, but it's also another thing to believe in God because God's the one that sent him. Exactly. Thank you, Joe. And we'll see this father-son, this dual relationship going on here. So it's interesting to see here life in himself. That's a concept that's going on here. And ultimately, the commandments are life. I'm going to eventually take you back to... to um, the Old Testament, because remember, the New Testament hasn't been written yet. So everything that the Messiah says here, they, I believe, are comprehending, at least to some extent, okay? He wouldn't, you know, because the things he's talking about, we see already established. For instance, I have life in myself. Another way of saying that is, you know, the commandments are life. Deuteronomy says the commandments are life to you. So in some ways, Messiah said, you know what? I'm walking a life. I'm walking life out. I'm walking what life is because I'm obeying my Father. I'm doing those commandments. 
And what I'm, maybe what I'm trying to do here is, again, the New Testament, we can't bring that theology in yet, those understandings. We have to understand first where Messiah is coming from. And he's relaying it back to, for instance, this example, what is life? You know, and most of us, you know, we grew up in the Christian church and we're, oh, Jesus is life. And, and yes, I agree with all that. But where do we get that concept that he can be life? It had to come from somewhere. And that's what I see the beauty that we have to understand from the from the old, what's been established, because that's where the power is, because that's what made Messiah powerful, right? So Durrani speaks about that. And uh, Paul, I saw you had your hand up, and then we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, so choose life in order that you may live and your descendants. And it goes on by uh, loving Yahweh, your Elohim, and by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him. This is your life and the length of your days and so on. Excellent. So, yeah. Oh, thank you, Paul. Thank you. So with this section, um, as anyone, I asked a couple people, uh, there's a chiastic structure here. Do you know anyone familiar with that? And if you're not, a couple people, I'll show you what that is. And I want to use that because uh, I'm uh, I've been studying certain things. I come across this. Some someone gentleman pointed that uh, this out. That's here, and I'm like, I want to use that to focus on this part of scripture instead of our um. Instead of our Christian background, I want to focus on our Hebrew roots background here. Get it in a different way what's happening, okay? Because I think if we focus on the Christian part, you guys understand what I'm saying? Theology that maybe we got out of Christianity, which I'm not saying it's not wrong, but we need to get this foundation first before that. Now I just want to go back to that, that thinking process, Okay. So a chiastic structure, it happens here, uh, like I said, I, I, found, I was reading and a gentleman pointed this out to me or in his study, uh, John 5, 19 to 30. So I want to make that the point of our study today and looking at that, okay? So an example of a chiastic structure, uh, one is right here in Genesis uh, 9, 6. Whoever shed man, uh, sheds man's blood, by man his blood is shed. For the image of Elohim, he was, he, Elohim has made man. So a chiastic structure or chiastic patterns, also called, it's a liter, literary technique in a narrative motif. Basically, it's a way of putting things um, nicely together that it points to something awesome. Actually, the point, the main your point in here of what the reader should go away with. Some of the other things on the outside, they're great and they're awesome, but you need to get that centerpiece because if you don't get that, the outside, you might be spinning your wheels and might be not 
going in different directions, all right? So that's what I think is, uh, is interesting. And it's in, not, it's in all, a lot of ancient literature, okay? That includes the Bible. It's in some a lot of Greek texts and certain of their, uh, their, their things as well. So it's not this perfect religious thing only coming from the Bible. But it's a style that someone would use when they're recording something to make sure you get a point in there, okay? And it's also, as you see, it's going to be used in the New Testament as well. So Genesis uh, 9-6 here, this would be how you would divide this up, this chiastic structure here. Whoever sheds blood, the blood of man, by man, shall his blood be shed. So ultimately, the point here, it's about man shedding man's blood. It's not about an animal coming in shedding man's blood. You see how it's pointing right to man. Okay? There's no out there. This is about into a man, not to an animal, not to anything else. It's strictly pointing right to man. Okay? I have a couple. This is an awesome one. Okay, this is in the flood. So we'll go through, I'll read through it as we go down. Noah and his sons, all the life on earth, cursed on the earth, flood announcement, the ark, all living creatures, flood, animals in man's hands, entering the ark, the waters increase. Here's the very point in here. God remembers Noah. Then it continues. The waters decrease. You see how there's a pattern here. All right? Uh, uh, exiting the ark. The animals again. About the food. All living creatures. The ark. No food, uh, no food in the future. Blessing on, on earth. All life on the earth. Noah and his sons. It begins with Noah and his sons. Ends with Noah and his sons. And the very center part then is about that Elohim remembered. You see what I'm saying? So it's not that uh, A to J, you know, isn't important. But the major part is that your father was faithful. Elohim remembered Noah. Not that he would ever forget. No, but understanding that idea to remember, Elohim remembered, this is a memorial. He has made a memorial out of him. Elohim to Noah. And we see that when he made the covenant up in the sky, right? It was to all humanity and all on the earth, okay? So even, uh, so the other things that's kind of interesting, even if it was eight people, he remembered them, all right? You know, that's something pretty awesome to think about because it was only eight people who came out of that, right? So, so it's a memorial to the whole earth and to all that is in it. And that's what the text says. And ultimately, that he is righteous and desires humanity to follow him. That's something else in there. He remembered Noah for what? Because he was the righteous of his time. So it's recalling back to righteousness. Now, that brings us to something else that Mark pointed out in last week, the uh, Noahide laws, right? Mark, I think, did a great job on that and pointing that out. So the Noahide laws, if you're not familiar with, Noahide laws, also called the uh, 
Nohikian laws, okay, but it comes from the Jewish uh, Talmudic uh, designation, designation for seven biblical laws given to Adam and to Noah before the relationship of uh, the, the revelation to Moses on Mount Sinai, and consequently uh, binding, um, binding then it all on on humanity. Okay, like Mark pointed out, and I will point out as well, that's bogus. Okay, it's outright bogus. The story of Nova must be understood in what? In the context of Mount Sinai. And why I'm saying that, that's where we get Moses compiling and bringing everything together at Mount Sinai. After, you know, before he compiled the, and I'm sure, and I read there's a lot of genealogies of certain uh, that were separate books that uh, Moses brought in and compiled together. And then he wrote the story about Noah. And that was after they were at the mountain that he was saying, what is righteous, what is not? The ten words. What, you know, how I want you to, you see what I'm saying? So Genesis, Noah's story has to be understood in the context of when it was compiled and put together. And I would say, firmly, that would be Mount Sinai under everything that Moses said. So you can't now go backwards just because it's the first book and say, well, this was before. No, no. You're to understand it, that everything that Elohim's ever said, unless he says different, is always applicable no matter what. It's no different with our New Testament. It wasn't, I guess, the, I've heard, it wasn't written in a vacuum, right? The New Testament has to be understood in the context of the old, okay? So that's a, another important thing that we can find here. Um, and ultimately, it does support the whole concept that Elohim doesn't change. Um, so the right rulings and what is life has not changed. My firm opinion is it to be understood this way. And I also believe that's the same goes for Abraham's life as well. He was, you know, he wasn't, Abraham wasn't taught any different. Noah wasn't taught any different. Elohim teaches his children the same thing over and over again. Joe. And reading the context is that uh, Ashula was more or less defending himself because of the father. And uh, verses, uh, verse 30 says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Why? Because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father was sent me. And then 31 says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. So anyway, he's pointing back to everything that he has is from the Father. Yes. The Father is directing the play here, and not Yeshua. Yeshua is defending himself because of the Father. Yes, no, I, yes, I, I see that, Joe. Thank you. So let's, uh, uh, one other uh, chiastic uh, that's here in Joshua, and we can just briefly, you can briefly look through that. But the center of this whole thing, uh, um, I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law. 
that you may be successful, right? But the core that's here is do not let this book of the Torah depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Then it goes on and it kind of repeats the same thing it just said right before that. So, so this idea D that's here that I have, it's a lifestyle, okay? Your life is associated with these words. So if you want to have a good life, meditate on them daily, right? And don't let them depart from what you're saying and how you judge things in your life. You want Elohim to be, be, you want Elohim to be with you, right? We all want God to be with us, right? Then the Torah is the only way for that to happen, okay? So you can see how awesome it is, some of the things that are here. So let's go to the one that's in John now, and we'll go read through it again, and then we'll come to the end where I, uh, this gentleman put this together, and then we can focus on what's the core that's being said here by Yeshua, okay? Therefore, Yeshua responded and said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son is able to do nothing at all by himself but only that which he sees the Father's doing, because whatever he does, the Son also likewise does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself does and greater works than these he is going to show him in order that you marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and makes alive, even so the Son makes alive whom he wishes. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all should value the Son even as they value the Father. He who does not value the Son does not value the Father who sent him. So it is interesting. My, the highlights I have here is right here. This is the first part of the chiastic, Okay. And like I said, those are important parts there as well, too. I don't want to, like, it's only the center. That's not what I'm talking about. But the son is unable to do nothing at all by himself. So is he saying that he's equal? Maybe. Or is there, he saying there's something else, maybe, a, new, a different terminology? Let me read you Deuteronomy 6.4 and tell me if this applies here. Hear, O Israel, my son, my whoever you are, we recite this. Yahuwah, your Elohim, Yahuwah is one, echad, united. So I think Messiah is just saying, the son can't do anything. I am just united with my father and all that he has given me, all the commandments that he has asked humanity to do. I'm one with him because I'm doing them. Is that not the same command that we have? Can we not be one with our God? Surely, yes, we can if we do the, what he's asked. So that's just something that I saw there. Now, and that's a little bit... No, it, take it for what it is. Okay? This... Unity with father and son. Because remember what he told the king, the king of Israel. I will be your father and you will be my son if 
you adhere to all this. And remember, the king had a special commandment to make sure that he had a copy of the Torah and all the commandments so he could do right ruling as he walked amongst his people. Hmm. This is the center of the chiastic structure here in John. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears, does that be Shema? Hears my word and believes in him who sent me possesses everlasting life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. There's the Deuteronomy references again. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, the Son of Elohim, and those having heard shall live. So this is the center point. This, in a sense, let's just take it as an understanding. This is what Messiah is really trying to push through to us and to them at the time, not diminishing what's on below or above. Uh, yes. Well, you know, this is, this is going way back, but this says the same thing, Ralph, way back in the start. And that's in uh, Genesis 24, 26. And Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that, that says it means a little bit out of place. No, but it's the same concept. But it's the same to... thing over and over. Like you say, we're learning the same thing over and over. Yes, the same ideas are continual. Thank you. So, um, so what we have here, like I mentioned, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 4.1. This is the core part that I believe Messiah, regardless, wants to push through here. Okay? Deuteronomy 4.1. And now, O Israel, listen to the laws and the right rulings which I am teaching you to do so that you live and shall go in, in the land and possess it in which Yahweh, your Elohim of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to the word which I command you and do not take away from it so as to guard the commands of Yahweh, your Elohim, in which I'm commanding you today. And then I think, Paul, you were reading uh, Deuteronomy 30, correct? And it fits in perfect because that's what I think is the the core of what Messiah wants to say. So uh, I'm going to read some of that again, Paul. 30.14, Deuteronomy 30.14. For the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, to do it. See, I have set before you today what? Life and good and death and evil. So you see how Messiah is talking about the raising of the dead and the dead? Remember, the New Testament hasn't been written. He hasn't resurrected from the dead, so that's not all, you know, he's focusing on something here first. Uh, and then it goes back uh, down later. I have called the heavens and the earth as witness today's against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, you shall what? Choose life so that you live, both you and your seed, both you and your children and your sons and your daughters, to love Yahweh your Elohim, to obey his voice, and to cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days to dwell in the land which Yahweh swore to 
your fathers, who? The patriarchs, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So many things I've seen as I look through the scriptures over the last several months continue to point back to the Exodus Mm -hmm. and what happened in the Exodus and why that is such of a significant piece of what scripture refers back to. And I couldn't help but see when you're pointing out these two scriptures when you were talking about the chiasm, I don't know if I can put this, what I see in my head into mm-hmm. words, but I almost saw the, like a menorah with the shamash in the middle oh, and both sides going towards yes. um, that chiasm. And I'd have to look into what that represents a little bit more. But I also saw that the Exodus in what you're saying here, because at um, Sinai, when he brought them to wed them, that almost is pointing to this whole thing right here because those that heard his word and believed, that could also talk about the Exodus because they heard his word and believed, they put the blood on the doorpost. They passed from death into life because the death angel passed through or Yahuwah passed through and those that did not hear his word, obey and believe, they did not pass from death into life. But here again, I see the Exodus and those that hear, they are the ones that lived. So I continue to see this whole, almost the chiasm of the Exodus throughout many scriptures. No, I, I thank you, Polly. And did you hear what she's saying? She was using the Old Testament to understand our Messiah, that everything that our Messiah was saying, them at the time would clearly understand if they knew their text, if they read their Bible, would know exactly what Messiah was doing. He was sending them back to the mountain, back to the stories that were recorded over and over, or given to them, that they knew. That's what he he was witnessing everything back to them. Thank you, Polly. So we we just left the center point of the chiasm, right? And then we're going to go towards the end, and then I'll have the graph for you, okay? For as the Father possesses life in himself... So he, uh, so he gave also uh, the son to possess life in himself. And remember, Israel, Israel, my firstborn, coming out of, Is- uh, out of Egypt. Israel is a nation. Us as believers are put into a picture of being an obedient or to be an obedient son. Okay? And he has given him authority also to, judge, uh, to do judgment because he is the son of Adam. Do not marvel at this, because the hour is coming in which all those in the tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth those who have what? Oh, you mean it does matter what you do in life here? Those who have done good, obeyed, to resurrection. Messiah hasn't died and resurrected again. He's proclaiming something that he's not going to change either when he does do that awesome wonder and act of love. So those who do good, and good is to do the commandments, is to do the Torah. And those who have practiced evil matters to a resurrection of judgment. I don't want to be in that 
I don't want to practice evil matters. And remember, evil matters is not adhering to the commands that he has set down. Then he continues again with this. Of myself, I am unable to do any matter. He's unifying himself. And that should be us. We should say to ourselves, no, I cannot do any other matter than what the fathers asked us to do. Am I making myself equal with Elohim? No, I'm just like, we should have a mindset that's like this. No, I can't do that because my God told me not to do that. How many of you have children? And it's, I've run into children, so awesome. Uh, I'll just use an example. One, uh, uh, and it was a pastor's kid. Uh, we happened to be at a zoo, and his parents wasn't there who were with it. Check this out. And I was like, oh, do you want to get some soda? I'll get you some soda. He says, no, my dad and mom do not allow me to have soda. Wow. And he had an opportunity that he could get a soda and use me as an excuse, but no. Can we have that attitude or obedience? So life in himself, just like the father in the son. He has life, and he's given us the opportunity have life in ourselves as well. I do. That is righteous judgment, is what he's saying. So, like I said, we have time here. And I didn't finish all my comments in this part. But here we have the chiastic structure. See the core? Truly, truly, they will hear and believe. Truly, truly, they will hear and live. That's to me, the core point that Messiah is trying to make in all this. Now, we could jump up. The Father's uh, only, uh, for instance, we could go to the part where, you know, the, the Son does only what the Father does. There's an equality, and we can discuss deity of Messiah all we want. All right? But you know what? At the end of the day, if you don't obey these commandments, it isn't going to matter if you think he is or not deity. Right? Because at the end of the day, it is if you hear and obey, when you shema and do, you live. It's, to me, really clear. And I'm not saying that idea of deity here and there. It's, it's an interesting thing. Okay? So I'm not putting it down. Like I said, the tops and the bottom of the chiasm, I'm not throwing away. But we got to get the center part. But if we're arguing out on the edges out here, we never get to the center part, right? Because the center part is really where it matters. Jerry. You've, you've spoken several times about that passage in Deuteronomy, but there's a better one, if you ask me, where Moses is talking to the people and he says, referring to the Torah, these are not just idle words for you. They are your life. life. They are your life. So you see when this, thank you, Jerry. So you see when Messiah is talking about life and death, the resurrection of him is going to happen later on. He's trying to bring all this first so you actually get even deeper what he has done for us. Okay? And what life. Because remember, he says, I come to give life and life more abundantly. Wow. So... So if we go through this, the Father does only what the Son does. The Father and the Son give life to the dead. 
Because if you don't know these things, you're ultimately dead. If you're not in a covenant with them, ultimately you're dead, right? And then truly, truly, you hear and believe, you hear and you live. Then he goes back down again. Father made the Son the source of life. They're both the source of life. Hmm. All will raise from the dead because if they do obey, they will live. The son judges like the father, and he can, again, this idea cannot do anything outside himself. So that's what I wanted to present, and I thought it was really awesome that was here. Yahuwah is unified with the son, the father, and his words are one. If Yeshua is the words, then they're unified with him. From the very beginning, we saw that. Whatever he said came to be. And they're unified with the Father. Life to the dead, the Father's words give life. The ten words and all the commandments of Sinai. And then the center part. Hear and obey. Hear and, hear and believe. Or hear and trust. Or hear and live. Shema. Believe, trust, and do the words. Then again, Shema. Do and obey and live. Again, the Father's words is life to the dead. And the dead will have life if they do this here and obey. Again, the Son is unified with the Father. So let's try to be unified with our God with these aspects. And we can do that because he's, he wouldn't give us a task that we can't. We're going to have struggles, but we can do that. We can. I know we started late, so I don't see any hands. So let me close in prayer. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you because you are faithful and your words are true. They have been refined. And Father, we're sorry that we, we, we do fail, but please continue to help us to overcome and to become more and more unified with what you would have us do. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the, the love that we see in your son who has taken our rightful place. And we thank you for his blood is enough. And we believe his report. And Father, we will return if you will continue to bring us home. We thank you again for your love and your mercy. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit that you have given everyone and whatever measure you dis decide to hand that out. We thank you again. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Uh, those online, I'm glad you, uh, thank you for joining us. And those here, I'm so honored to do this. And we will get right back into the book then next week, okay? Shabbat shalom.